Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. It's Brian Davis and Denny Spley here from Spark Rental. Hello, everyone. And we are super excited to have you with us today. Uh, last week, we talked about seven real estate investing tools to boost your returns. Today, we're talking all about landlord pet policies and how to earn more money, more a higher return on your properties uh, by renting to pet owners. You know, so many landlords, you know, just dig their heels in and say, no pets, I'm not, I'm not allowing any pets at all. But the fact is, landlords are actually leaving a lot of money on the table by barring all pets. So before we jump in, we do have an announcement today. At the end of this uh, broadcast, we are going to announce the winner of our giveaway for three months of premium access to Visor's service. We like to give products away periodically. So, uh, and this, this was in celebration of uh, having 2000 likes on our Facebook page, <laughs> which is always fun. So, all right, without further ado, Denny, tell us why landlords should reconsider their stance on renting to pet owners. Well, I mean, the majority, well, there's over 50%, close to 68, 70% of households have a pet, at least one. Um, so that definitely broadens your, you know, renter prospects. Uh, higher rents, you can charge, you know, an extra $50. I've seen people, some people will do $25, $50 per pet. So, I mean, that's significant, you know, in the long run. That's um, yeah, there's non-refundable pet fees that you can charge, um, ideally to go towards any kind of wear and tear or damage, but it's still non-refundable if you put it in like that. Um, just don't call it a security deposit because if you call it a pet security deposit, it's going to be returned. But that's not a bad idea to do either because if the pet destroys anything, you have an actual security deposit just for that. So then if their pet doesn't destroy it, then you return it and it gives you a little bit of extra security that they're gonna take care of your apartment or rental and make sure that their pets take care of the rental. Absolutely. And it's not, um, I'm a pet lover and, and sometimes when I'm on here, you'll see my dogs mostly. <laughs> or hear them. There, and we've had arguments between my dogs during Facebook Live, but um, pet, there's a, a misnomer I think out there about pet owners. I mean, obviously there are good and there are bad, but a lot of pet owners are not. I mean, you can tell too, because you know, they're grooming them, they're spending money on them and the whole nine yards and their vet bills will, will explain that. So you want to, you want to talk about that later, but um, pets overall are, are not that terrible. They, they conduct less wear and tear than people really. Well, I, I hear that and I happen to agree. <laughs> we have a question here from Misba. Misba says, hi, I have a question. I know you can't charge for service animals, 
but are emotional support animals considered the same? Emotional support animals, there are some relaxation and some of us um, like security deposit or pet deposit regulations. But yeah, we have a good article and I'm gonna put it up here that goes into that in more detail. Um, but it's definitely not as stringent as service animals. Service animals, you can't um, charge any extra pet fees. You can't charge any pet security deposit or anything like that. Where emotional support animals, there are some um, areas and some reasons that you would be able to uh, protect yourself. Now, any of those animals, whether support or emotional support or service animals, if they do damage, then you, your tenant would have to take care of that. So it's not like, you know, they can just rip apart walls and then leave the rental and you're stuck on it. They still have to take care of that. Yeah. So Mizba, um, there are some questions that you can ask as a landlord about emotional support animals and some questions you can't ask. Um, so check out that article. It goes through the exact questions that you should ask as a landlord to protect yourself when it comes to emotional support animals. Unfortunately, tenants can really get away with one with emotional support animals. There's, they have legal protections, but you really don't as a landlord when it comes to ESAs. So, um, fortunately, they're super easy to kind of register. There's these. Oh yeah, there's. There's all, all these websites online where you, you pay 20 bucks and you get like a fake registration basically. Um, and there's, there's no, there's no official body that registers these, these animals. So tenants can just go online and get one and print it off. And suddenly they have an emotional support animal, you know, then there's, there's really no protections for you as a landlord about that. Um, but that article does go into some very specific detail about what you can and can't do as a landlord in screening emotional support animals. Right. All right. So, Denny, people don't just have cats and dogs, right, as pets. So how should, how should landlords approach other types of pets beyond the, the typical, you know, Fido? Fido and ocelots? <laughs> <laughs> well... Um, you know, it's interesting. We had a rather long uh, post on one of the, the hub is what we call it. And it's one of our larger Facebook groups. And it was all about the difference in animals, like not just the dogs and the cats. And it was just interesting to see the difference of opinions. Like so many people think if it's in an aquarium, you're good to go. <laughs> but I've had... Um, I've had an issue where uh, there was a large aquarium that busted and it was on the second floor and it went, did damage to the roof on the first floor. So there is, I mean, fish are very quiet and they don't <laughs> smell or anything like that, but you know, they can still cause damage. Um, I had mentioned about snakes. They can crawl up into ceilings and you know, that's all one needs is to have a drop ceiling and have a little old lady next door who's afraid of snakes and have a snake peep its head out, you know, and her to freak out, but, or, or worse. Um, so you have to protect yourself from not just dogs and cats. You definitely need to make sure that you're protecting yourself against all animals and 
let your um, applicants know that, that what, don't just say, do you have a cat or a dog? You know, do you have any pets? Alligators or ocelots, as Brian <laughs> will say, or snakes, fish, birds. I've had complaints because of birds before because they're loud sometimes and they, they don't stop. So, you know, you laugh, but you know, there, there was a woman, this was in the news a couple of years back. This woman had an alligator and she would dress the alligator up and it, and she had it registered as an emotional support animal and the alligator, you know, and she kept it as a pet. And, you know, when, when she first had it, it was very small, of course, but it got big. <laughs> and, you know, this, the last thing you need in your rental properties is a seven foot alligator running around and eating all the other neighbors' dogs, right? <laughs> or worse, kids. I mean, so yeah, you, you have to be careful with pets. And, you know, like Denny said, even the ones that, that live in a cage, when I was a kid, I used to have a bunch of, you know, pet snakes and all that kind of stuff. And they were constantly getting out of the cage uh, and, and causing a ruckus. And it, you know, sometimes we, we never even found them, you know, and there, there would just be snakes loose in, in the house or in the neighborhood. Uh, yeah. So even um, gerbils and things like you'd be surprised the damage they can do because they, they can get it behind the walls and start chipping away. So and before you even realize it. So or I mean, die behind the walls and, and smell. smell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you definitely want to make sure and ask specifically what kind of pet, not just do you have pets. Always put what kind. <laughs> All right. Well, so Denny, other than charging a higher security deposit or charging, you know, a non-refundable pet fee up front or ongoing pet rent, what are some other things that landlords can do to protect themselves from some of these risks of pet owning renters? Well, the main one of the main things is the lease the lease is going to protect and in order for you to have the proper information for the lease you want to make sure you know what kind of pet it's going to be and then and then assign the rules to that for instance if you have and maybe only allow um people with fish aquariums on the first floor um you know stuff or like limit that. on the number of gallons in the tank or, right right yeah. um there could be you know i check with your insurance company because there are certain things like I, I don't think an insurance company might even allow an alligator because they're, they could be dangerous and they could hurt a child. And, you know, depending on different, your state laws, local laws and everything else, you could, you, the landlord could be responsible for what's going on. Um, and that means that, and then you spell it out. Like, um, and like I did say, ask your insurance company, but also check, your local laws, because some local laws won't allow certain types of snakes, certain types of alligators, pigs, goats, you know, you name it. There's certain um, townships, you know, if you live in a, in a suburban township with a lot of households, they're not gonna allow often sometimes that. My husband had an alligator um, and we, we he ended up having to get rid of it because of that. Um, so, yeah. so this, this whole alligator thing is not as far-fetched as you were, you were making it out to be here. Well, no. Oh, no. My husband's a, uh, he likes, he liked, we don't have them anymore, snakes and yeah, those things. Well, you know, just to add on to your thoughts there about checking with your, your state and local laws. So I'm from Baltimore and in Baltimore, they actually passed laws um, 
that make the landlord liable legally for uh, if pit bulls and a couple other breeds of large, sometimes aggressive dogs, uh, if, if a renter's uh, dog attacks someone else uh, mm -hmm. and it's one of those named breeds, the landlord is actually liable. And, you know, they, they did this because they, what they really wanted to do was to outlaw pit bulls and some of these other breeds, but that was politically infeasible. So what they did instead was they, they shoved the blame onto the landlord, right? By making the landlord liable with the assumption that either landlords would stop allowing these breeds if they're liable, uh, or if landlords weren't bright enough to, to follow along with the laws, that um, then they have someone who's very easy to collect from. Uh, with the landlord. And again, we're, I, I hate to say it, but the landlord is demonized because we look like the ones that are like, no, you can't have pit bulls, you know, they're, but it's not always the case. It's politically easy to demonize landlords because they don't right. have anywhere, because there's, there's a small percentage of the population is landlords, right? And a huge percentage of the population are renters. So right. it's politically convenient and expedient to make landlords the bad guy. Um, which you know we just saw uh, yesterday with the the eviction moratorium extended another three months. Perfect right. example. <laughs> yeah, we we get it on all ends, literally. Um, anyway, so you want to make sure and have a pet policy. You want to be pretty knowledgeable of what your locations are, like if you live in Baltimore, um, and you want to make sure. And I know that our lease. For Spark Rental, we have a pet addendum, and it goes into pretty uh, good detail about what things that you can. Very landlord protective. Right, and it's also very editable. So if you have, you might be in one of those rural areas where you can have a ocelot, and then <laughs> um, you can, you know, adjust adjust your policy. So once landlords do have a, a thorough and protective lease agreement in writing signed with a tenant, how do they actually enforce their pet policies and protect themselves that way? Well, one of the uh, things that you have to definitely do, if, if it's a dangerous situation, like you said, and if, if it were in Baltimore or something like that, where especially a, um, a tenant-friendly location or state, you want to make sure and get right on it if it's a dangerous issue. Um, so I would reach out directly to the tenant or visit them, uh, and let them know that this is not, maybe bring the lease with you with the pet policy and say that I'm here and I see that you have, you know, this alligator and not once did you tell me that you had an alligator in this apartment or this rental and it's not allowed in this township. And for that reason, you have to get rid of it like now. And stay on top of that and make sure that they get rid of it. And if it is an illegal animal in that location, then contact the authorities and have them get right on it just to make sure that, you know, it's it's taken care of. And don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-animal or anything. I'm not a fan of alligators, but don't mean I hate them or anything. <laughs> but you got to keep yourself protected. Well, this is, this is a perfect example of why landlords or their property managers need to inspect their rental units every six months yeah. so that you can look for illegally brought in pets, right? If your lease says no, no pets and you walk in in the inspection and there's dog hair everywhere, you know you have a problem. Um, 
and other lease violations too, of course, right? You have that the deadbeat boyfriend who who has moved in without your knowledge, um, you know, or maybe the tenant is just trashing your property and abusing it. Um, and it's also a good opportunity for you to look for needed repairs and maintenance as well and catch those kinds of issues early before they become yeah. expensive. Uh, but yeah, this is exactly why landlords need to inspect every single rental unit every six months. And don't let these things slide because the more you do, the harder it is to really enforce it. So if you happen to be driving by and you see a giraffe in the yard, get right on that. because. <laughs> If you don't, it gets worse the longer they have it. So stay on top of them, send the letters, notices, emails, call them, whatever it takes, but make sure that they follow through. Be a pest until they get rid of the pet. And we do have a pet violation notice. It's, it's free on our landlord software. So feel free to log in, create a free account on our online landlord software, sparkrunnel.com, and you can create um, well, it's a, it's a template that's already set up for you, an unauthorized pet notice to the mm -hmm. tenant. Um, it'll auto fill in your saved rental unit information and your saved tenant information. All you have to do is click download and, and you can print it out. So. And you'll, there's uh, free leases on there. There's the lease um, with the pet addendum and some other addendum. So yeah. It's and disclosures lease. for all 50 yeah. states. Right. And some cities. <laughs> All right. Um, well, before we announce the winner of the uh, the Mash Pfizer giveaway, uh, Denny, is there anything else that you want to raise regarding the issue of pets and why landlords should allow pets, but should also protect themselves very aggressively as well? Well, that, like we said earlier, allowing pets is, can be lucrative. It can bring in extra money. Um, but you also want to make sure that you're being, you know, proactive instead of reactive. So do the inspections, make sure you have a good lease um, and, and get the all, get all the information. Don't, don't assume anything. Even um, I had somebody who had a cat in a unit. This just happened. They have a cat in the unit. The cat passed away and they got a dog. And I found out they had a dog because the dog was barking and I got a complaint. So I went to them and they said, well, we already were allowed a pet. I said, no, look, <laughs> look, the pet was a cat. Cats don't bark. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so your, your lease should have, it should have a very specific uh, section naming the exact animal that you have allowed to live there. Only that named animal is allowed to live there. And that should be written in black and white in your lease. Right. Um, so. All right. You want to uh, give away this Mesh Pfizer subscription? I sure do. So it's uh, three months premium access to Mesh Pfizer, which if you're not familiar with it, by the way, it's an awesome analytics tool to help you identify good markets and neighborhoods to invest in. Uh, they have great data on cap rates down to the zip code or down to the neighborhood level rather. Um, and they can help you compare cap rates, not just for long-term rentals, but also for short-term Airbnb rentals. They've got calculators that help you compare the returns for any given property, uh, long-term versus short-term Airbnb rental usage, um, and a ton of other just really nifty features in there. So, all right, Denny, you, you got you got the names ready in the hat? You going to draw one out? I don't have a hat. I have a cup. <laughs> all right. I wear a hat. Brian wears hats. Drum roll. <laughs> All right, go ahead. 
And it goes to, and I can't see, Trenton Thomas. <laughs> Trenton Thomas is the winter, winner, winner. Congratulations, Quentin Thomas. And Tara will be getting in touch with you, Trenton, and give you all the information. All right, guys. Well, we will wrap it up at this point. We'll see you next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. And in the meantime, let us know what you want to hear about next week. Yeah, this is all about you guys. This is not just about us. And stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. Have a great holiday, guys. That's right. Have a good one, you guys. We'll see you soon. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.